Islanders now. 2-1. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Nerd News Now. This is Mark. I'm with Kyle, with Brainy, with Miss Jim. We got everyone here. Um, guys, thanks for being on tonight. So, um, I always say, oh, there's not a whole lot going on. And then someone says, oh, there is a whole lot going on. So, let's start with Miss Jen. What's going on, Miss Jen? Well, um, in the middle of the day, when I went to go pick up my son, my phone started buzzing like crazy because I had it silent. And I was like, something's going on. Because it wasn't like a phone call buzz. It wasn't an email buzz. It was the eBay buzz, which tells me something just got announced. And I just happened to be talking to Kyle at the same time. And I said, Kyle, find out what's going on. Because all of a sudden, Mark Millar's really awesome book, Starlight, started selling. So <laughs> it was like, boom, boom, boom. So guess what? It's in development. Joe Cornish to write and direct Mark Millar's Starlight film adaptation for 20th Century Studios. That, that's uh, the 90s book, right? Or the 2000s, early 2000s, something like that? Uh, Starlight was 2016, but oh my gosh, I just put two and two together from something I'm not allowed to talk about that I, I learned last week with this as it relates to the illustrator on this book, uh, and another project from another publisher and, uh, everything makes sense now. That thing where, you know, that all the serial killer lines come together in your brain. <laughs> now, uh, so they had already announced this Netflix deal with Malar. So I wonder why this, this book didn't pop before. I would have figured all of his stuff would have popped when that was announced. Uh, was this because the Jupiter's Legacy trailer came out over the weekend? It's it's more of a, that this is in development as opposed to just being optioned. Mm-hmm. When Netflix just has the right to it has the right to the auto Millar World stuff, uh, mm-hmm. this is supposedly already in development, so they're actually going to produce it now. Right. This is this is not for Netflix. This is 20th Century Studios. Oh, so this okay. is a studio is attached to the project, which means it's actually getting made. Whereas Netflix has just got an overall right of first refusal, first look deal on all the Malar World stuff. So they could, 20th Century could make this and Netflix could go, meh, and choose not to put it out. Like, I don't think Netflix will, but it's an option. Correct. So this is just a story-specific instance. Uh, By the way, has anyone seen the trailer for Jupiter's Legacy? Because I have no idea what's going on. People just keep calling it the boys' light. I don't think that's fair. Cause I don't think it's gonna be anything like that. Um, and but I have no idea what's going on. And it took me like four days to figure out that the lead guy is uh, Josh Day. <laughs> I read Jupiter's Legacy, and I'm not sure what's going on. Okay, one of those. All right. Um, I wasn't sure what was going on while I was reading it, which is why it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wait, for, you got to wait until it all kind of comes together and congeals. That's my new thing for when a comic book like ties up all the loose ends and starts to make sense. It's congealing. Has it has it been enough years for it to tie in by now? So what, like five years now, six years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think they, they should tie it in by now. Heck, even Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> 
well, it has a bunch of uh, th- a series that came after it that tie to it. So you've got Jupiter's Circle. <laughs> so, yep, right. Material. But it's funny that they call it the Boys Light um, because I think it's actually the Boys Better, and I would never say that about a Garth Ennis book because I really, really like Jupiter's Le- Jupiter's Legacy. Um, I think Mark Millar is maybe my favorite writer that isn't named Ed Brubaker or Chip Zdarsky. So, um, you know, it's, I, you know, I, pref- I prefer Jupiter's Legacy to the boys. That being said, I can see the contrast that people who don't know the source material for either one would draw to it. Um, I think it's a mischaracterization, but I think it's a good kind of, you know, trying to explain to somebody what vanilla ice cream is who's never had ice cream. You know, you could say it's kind of like pudding. Speaking of what things you, that congeal. What do you guys think is going on? Because we've all of a sudden got now essentially three different very superhero-based properties that are very uber-violent all running at the same time. Uh, I, I think it's a Deadpool effect. I, you know, Deadpool being a rated R movie, people didn't expect a superhero movie to do what it did. And uh, other people just decided, hey, let's push the let's push the envelope a little bit further and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. They did that with the boys. It pushed it, and people, um, you know, they loved it. Um, Invincible had great ratings, so there, you know, people are starting to see, and including Walking Dead. You know, Walking Dead took the comic book genre a little bit in a different style for television. You know, they they had no problem zombie killing people and everything. So. Um, I think they realize people are okay with all that violence and everything. So as long as the story's good. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it too is the kind of the culture we're in right now. Like everything is so amped up that even your superhero movies have to be super amped up. Mm-hmm. You know, like the world we're living in is is a crazy place, and all of a sudden. The boys doesn't seem so crazy. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I think that's got something to do with it too, is that it's, it's, in order to be escapist, you've got to be super, you know, one way or the other. Like, if I was watching Smokey and the Bandit 2 today, which <laughs> is all going to tie together. The thing about Smokey and the Bandit 2 is all of the sudden, this movie that in no way seemed like reality when it came out. I'm pretty sure that's how people get elected these days. You know, uh, this is the one where if they can get the prize from Florida to Texas on time, the person gets to meet the governor of Texas. And little Enos is there with 200 k in his pocket. Like, this is a thing. So, they should do that this week. Yeah, I think that's probably why it was on TV. Yeah. Um, but... That's not so crazy. I think you need super ultra violence and things that can't possibly exist in order to feel like, hey, maybe this is a thing that we actually, you know, can escape to. And it's the same reason why our Sherlock Holmes movies right now have to star Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. I mean, same type of deal. Right? Like I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that movie's actually pretty good, but um, I I'm wondering because there's a movie that started this maybe like 
uh, nine, ten years ago, uh, Super, starring Rain Wilson. And I wonder if people are going to go back and discover that and find that, look at that with a new eye, because now it's a it's a crazy indie movie and there's other stuff going on in it, but that was like an ultra-violent, that was like, I called it at the time, jokingly, uh, Kick-Ass for Grown-Ups. Because it, it was, you know, it was him and Elliot Page, and it's like, it's a crazy movie. And I just wonder if I love people that movie. Back and discover that and go, oh. Because it was also like, mocking itself in a non-mockish way too and probably mocking the genre and probably even more so now like kind of predicting oh what was gonna happen um the same way like a a long time ago maybe like 18 years ago there was a, a movie mocking reality television called series seven and then you know that came out a long time ago and then and then you have stuff you know, being written that's big in the movies now, like Hunger Games. So, yeah, I think it's just, it, it's some one-upmanship. It's also kind of, we've gauged the audience. We know what they like. Um, maybe Amazon Prime has a way to figure out how many people, how many people tuned out in the last five minutes of the Invincible cartoon episode one, and how many people were like, yeah, more of this. Because <laughs> that... If you if you can survive the last five minutes of Invincible Episode One, which is animated, then maybe you're gonna like this other stuff. Uh-huh. So I think it's just a constant, you know, let's gauge the morality of society today. And of course, like micro targeting and all that, they're able to do that, big data, all that type of stuff. So it's a little bit unnerving if if they're if all their data scientists are going hey america really craves blood and violence right now let's go for it but you know i i don't know i i just think it's like a a one-upping of the genre right now and at some point i think that's going to teeter off and and tone down a little bit but you'll probably always have an audience for that just as you always have an audience for horror right of all different types of genres so that's that's probably and it's not like these things are only playing here. They're playing worldwide. Like, yes, the boys is popular worldwide. So it, it isn't just us. It isn't just micro targeting or whatever we want to call it. It's there is something going on in the world right now that is just saying this is what we're into. It's it's why we don't. It's why we're not into westerns anymore. You know, it's it, it's just one of those things. And who knows? Maybe we'll be into westerns again next year. Um, but. We're not right this second, and that's, you know, part of it. And we also have to bear in mind the rest of the world is more open to violence than we are, uh, or at least fictional violence. I mean, look at all the Japanese animation that's got uh, people chopping off their heads in the very first scene in in time. So, uh, you know, we're more conservative about violence here, at least. So I was having a conversation with a comic book writer the other day. And this comic writer told me that they had to have a conversation with their editor about getting a different VPN because they're writing a book about serial killers and their search history uh, needed to be protected <laughs> and not actually going out to the world because that would wind them up on some lists. Right. And I'm going, you know what? Yeah. And I inter- I interviewed uh, uh, John Romita Jr. and we talked about Kick-Ass. And he's talking about how, like, on his artboard, he had like different ways to die, like pictures printed out and pinned to his drawing board. 
and he would talk to his wife about it, and she'd be like, look, we got to have a rule. <laughs> like, two hours before bed is the last time we could talk about this, because if you talk about it between those two times, we both have nightmares. <laughs> the thing I go, worried- yeah, I can imagine that. The thing I'm worried about right now is the, the there's other trends that are out there that are super disturbing. Like the fact that on Netflix, Water World is trending. I don't understand it. The the Kevin Costner Waterworld? Yes. Really? Yes. I gotta stop watch uh, Jane the Virgin and start watching that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I I am right now I am only binge watching I'm only watching one new show right now. Um I haven't watched any more than the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, haven't watched any more than the first episode of Invincible. Because in there's a world where Mighty Ducks Game Changers exists, and <laughs> I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> I, I'm like, on the same boat as you. I haven't watched um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm just gonna wait till the entire series is out and watch it. I'm assuming it's eight part or so. I don't wait. It's probably better for my mental health, right? <laughs> than spending eight weeks screaming into cameras about how I hate it. Mm-hmm. I just wait till the end and then only scream once. Miss Jen, what about you? Are you what are, are you caught up on Falcon Winter Soldier or no? Uh, all except for the last episode. I thought I had watched all of them, but obviously I walked in and uh, my son was watching number four today and I ha- didn't recognize it at all. So either I slept through it and didn't realize it or I didn't watch it. But um, I do have to say, having not watched four, but just watching three, there is a moment that Sebastian Stan should just win all the awards for. It's like a, he says a line like, please don't tell me that that's that I'm wrong about it because Steve told me this. And if Steve's wrong about that, he could be wrong about me. And he has this moment where he says the word me, too. And it just like breaks me. Yeah. Such a good actor. Day <laughs> um, there, There's a without going into spoilers, there's just so much stuff to unpack in that show. The first episode, you know, I was like, okay, because it's dramatically different than WandaVision. And the second episode, you can kind of see where it's going. And then there was a one-hour meme created from the third episode. And also, (laughs) like, an amazing, you know, MCU appearance. And then four is just on another stratosphere. So, you know, I'm the only one called up. I'm not going to go any more than that. But one... You, other, you uh, Brain and Kyle, once you watch it, just remember episode four is kind of where it gets good <laughs> or real or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. So Jen so. inspired me to look something up. The top 10 Netflix shows in America today. Netflix <laughs> things in America. Now, is this Thunder is Force. Like ratings based or? This is Netflix's top 10. Be, okay. This is what they call their top 10. Further, you said Thunder Force is number one. Yes. It is. Oh my God! Wow! Really? <laughs> I, I I read the little you know the little description they have tells me I'm like, is this what we've come down to now that we're making shows like this? I so Mark is about the only person who will appreciate this. I said that Thunder Force should be the name of Nia Jax's tag team in WWE. Yeah, I think that's a great name for them. But anyhow, so it's it's that it's this is a robbery. Which, if you haven't seen it, is fantastic. Uh, Who Killed Sarah, which I haven't watched yet, but I've heard is good. The original little, like, not the original, but from what, what is that? Not the 90, 1994 Little Rascals. 
is number four. What? Um, that, to me, that's more confusing than Waterworld. The Serpent, which stars someone who looks vaguely like John Stamos, but isn't. Uh, the Sniper Ghost Shooter. Um, <laughs> okay. Coke, is it Coco Malone? Coco Melon? It's a children's animated show? Yeah. Legally Blonde. What Lies Below, which is a new uh, Mina Suvari flick. And Concrete Cowboy, which should always be number one because Idris Elba. Hmm. We lost Mark. Man, I think I think uh, Legally Blonde bumped Waterworld today. <laughs> That's a good trade-off, I guess. I, I, Bend you know. and snap. That's right. I personally did not dislike Waterworld, so you know I'm okay with that. But Legally Blonde, was I didn't dislike than... it either. But I also didn't dislike Legally Blonde, so like, oh, there's that. I, th- I thought Legally Blonde was a really good movie. Yeah, <laughs> what it was. Yeah. I watched it yesterday, and I it does hold up really well. It does feel which, just as which good one? He, the first one. Legally Blonde. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yep, my my daughter <laughs> loves it. She she loves everything Legally Blonde. Uh, when she was younger, she wanted to go to Harvard because of uh, Legally Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see the musical. She, I think she's watched it. Um, I'm pretty sure she's watched it already. You know, us theater people, we like that stuff. I wonder how many chihuahuas were sold. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm sure there's a stat out there that Kyle's going to find. What else we got going? How many? Well, see, no one's caught up on any of the shows. um, But, you know, I... I never know how much spoilers I want to give about the Marvel stuff on Disney Plus anyway, so that's fine. Um, Box office, well, Miss Jen wasn't here last week, so let me give her a moment to tell me her thoughts on Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, It is exactly what I wanted, which was, you know, big creatures bashing each other. Um. But, you know, Kyle and I have had these long discussions about there's, like, some real uh, problems in their, like, the everything relies on something else in the movie to further the storyline. So it's, like, one big MacGuffin, which is fun to watch. But you're just thinking, like, if any one of these things doesn't exist, the movie is really not going to happen. Right. I still haven't watched it yet, but do they get political in this one? Uh, no. Except for to say that, you know, human beings think they're all that, and maybe they're not. Yeah. That, that, that could be the story of every single movie we've ever watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there was such great, like, the, the special effects stuff is just... Now, I don't even think about the fact that you used to watch Godzilla and King Kong and have to see it in glorious stop motion, you know, Harryhausen stuff. And we, you know, when they watched it back then, they thought that was like miraculous looking. 
And now it's just like, this looks so stinking real. Well, technology has come far, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last week I compared that with uh, the Michael Bay Transformers where it just looks like a tornado of toasters and iPods finding each other. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like the, the action when Godzilla and Kong are fighting is just, uh, you know, they're completely... You know, it's distinguishable. You know exactly what's going on. It just looks like so clear. <laughs> that's the that's the thing about that. But um, no spoilers mission for people who haven't seen it yet. But that one thing that I said was going to happen did, and the one thing I said that wasn't didn't. So I was right about it. But I did watch it and I enjoyed it. So a public service announcement for all our viewers: Do not Google Chihuahua facts after Legally Blonde. To, uh, it will make you sad. Oh no! There are a lot of stories about how the dog from Legally Blonde died, and how Reese Witherspoon had adopted the dog, and then all these things about Chihuahuas and dog shelters, and then things about how people had went out and bought and adopted Chihuahuas after the movie, but they weren't cute little Chihuahuas like in the movie, and they were actually mean because Chihuahuas usually are mean, and how they had to take them to shelter. There was a it's it's awful. Don't do it. Yep. Yeah. Research the breed before you buy one, so you so you can know what you're in for and be patient with them. Yeah, and also don't base the breed that you want based on uh, a dog that is trained for 12 hours a day by a Hollywood, you know, animal trainer. Right. If, you, if you adopt a pet based on a movie, you should adopt the bear from the third Doctor Doolittle film, <laughs> or yeah. from Without a Paddle. Hey, um. Or Yogi Bear. I, I want to adopt Yogi. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that's Don't... my dream job, right? Is to voice Yogi Bear. Really? Do something. If, if I could get... Well, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of vocabulary. That's why I'll never get the job. But it's, hey, boo-boo, how about a picnic basket? It's good. Hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. Does anyone else... Do voices? I know I can't do it, but I can do After it. After a minute, my Yogi Bear turns into Snagglepuss. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. No, I can't do. I wish I could do voice work. Uh, voice work would be awesome, especially in Texas. There's a couple companies, and you can make a living off of it. But no, I never know. <laughs> when we, when I used to do stand up, I did a very dirty bit. Um, about Bernie Sanders and Ted Kennedy and coming up with uh, free tuition for everyone. But it was very dirty, and the origin of the story is unrepeatable outside of that setting. But I did it in the voices. And I think that made it funnier than the joke actually ever was. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's all about the delivery, right? And not the product, so. Absolutely. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. Speaking of all about the delivery and not the product, Mark, did you watch WrestleMania? Oh, no! Are we, are we doing this now or are we going to let them go or what? <laughs> uh, no, I just had to make the joke. You set it up. I had to make the yeah. joke. I, I did. Oh. I did watch. Um, yeah, I did. Are we, are we doing this now? Are we going for it? No, we'll talk about it at the end. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a thing that happened, for sure. <laughs> it did, in fact. It almost didn't, but then it did, in fact, happen. Uh, yeah, I didn't... 
quite. Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand. I didn't know that a WrestleMania could rain out or whatever. (laughs) Being a rain delay. How did I not see this news? Shazam casts Lucy Liu as Calypso. Oh yeah, so I actually have that as one of the two things I was able to prepare. I was gonna ask. Um, we were talking about comic book speculation and the Mark Millar book, you know, shooting up in price. Uh, so Lucy Liu was cast as Calypso. Now I really don't know how I missed this. It, the news was sort of like uh, posthumously paired with the fact that Helen Mirren had already been cast as Aspera. So, you know, Aspera and Calypso are sisters. So that's going to be awesome. That's great casting right there. <laughs> so that's in Shazam, Fury of the Gods. I like it. Yeah, that's going to be... Um... Now, the thing with Shazam characters is those comics are already really expensive, right? So I'm sure, like, the first appearance of Calypso and Aspera are already tough as it is. <laughs> that's the same thing about some of the speculative market and comics right now but then you have stuff like daredevil nine is all of a sudden three hundred dollars because echo is going to be in hawkeye so when the heck did that happen uh echo is also a different thing can oh, i okay. spoil last week's comics or no oh echoes oh something else oh yeah you can Just well for me alert, and then people can motor away if they don't want to know about that one book i guess right sure. uh, Incoming. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to tell people? Because Jen was the person who sort of told me, and then I did some research. And I'm like, oh my god. Which was All the right. thing that that Echo is involved with the Phoenix Force. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's so that's a new host, huh? Because I heard that Phoenix Force found a new host. So I guess Echo is it. It's so funny because. You know, the whole series leading up to it, you're just like going, oh, who is it going to end up? Because, you know, it's like the people in play are super powerful people, right? Black Panther and Captain America and, you know, people that you're like, okay, well, the, this makes sense. And then the person that ends up with a power makes the most sense because it's like, it feels like it's a Thunderbird, right? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, you, there was a spoiler cover. Mm-hmm. Now it's is that what what comic was that did that happen in? Avengers forty four. Forty four. Okay. Yeah, I just I imagine that her first appearance in Marvel Knights number nine was probably like ten dollars a month ago. But I don't really know what's happened to the secondary comic market right now. Because it's like if you're not if you don't get a jump on it, these books that you could have for five bucks last month or like two hundred bucks all of a sudden, it's similar to what's going on in the trading card market, which I'm very well aware well aware of. But it's like, are people? Oh, all of you can answer this question: Are people just like paying ten to twenty to thirty times the amount for raw books right now over CGC stuff because no one wants to wait for turnaround times and or, or what's going on there? Uh, probably, but I, I think it's just becoming way too speculative. People are just, um, some people just have a little bit too much money and they're just driving it up, just hoping that they can turn it around before it collapses. Um, I, I, I honestly don't see the, it's a, 
I felt this way about the stock market back in the late 90s and still to this day. I think it's just overly inflated. And I think that's what's happening with comic books and sports cars right now. And yeah. as well. I think it's all false inflation. It's, it's going to get to the point where it's just ridiculously and people are just going to stop and it's going to crash. I, I hope it doesn't because I like seeing uh, demand for this stuff. You know, the the speculators actually bring in other people, even the readers starting to, hey, you know what, this this is going high, maybe I should just read it. Uh, so they do, the, it does drive people in to try to get the books that they may not have. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, somebody's going to lose out on this. Somebody, I don't know who. It's usually the bottom feeders that lose out. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole other aspect which we haven't even talked about. Well, it hadn't come up yet really in the comic industry, but NFTs to play a role with certain artists coming up because it's just, it's it's insanity, right? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, I, you know, Unlike most people, didn't care for NFTs, but I was making a trade with some of the booster boxes of a product I had with this guy, and you know he he wanted to get more, and I'm like, look, I, and he goes, hey, I have some NFTs. I'm like, what am I going to do with NFTs? I can't do anything with it. To make the long story short, um, I ended up getting five NFTs from him in exchange for five booster boxes. Uh, I don't know where the market is going to go on that. I have no idea what it is. I don't know, you know, how far it's going to go. But I'm like, hey. Let's get our feet wet. Uh, but that's for me, I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of if I lose, if, even if I don't sell it for a dollar, at least I can say I owned one, right? Yeah. But it, it's just, it's, everything is out of hand right now. So we'll see once the dust settles. But I mean, you have like cereals being not on the shelf because they got Pokemon cards in them. You know, people buying out, you know, entire boxes and back alleys from McDonald's because it's got Pokemon cards in them. And and then, like, an example that happened last week was um, the news of Owen Wilson and the whole, like, Time Squad aspect to Loki had been out for six months already. But then, like, a new trailer shows, and then the value of the first appearance of those characters, like, went up 300% an hour after that video was on YouTube. And right. so it's like, I don't know if it's just like people that they're last to get comic news or what, but it's just like one, you get a couple of like sold items on eBay to comp it to, and then it just goes to the moon. <laughs> so it's, There's it's stuff really like that I feel like that I was kind of silly about that if I, you know, it's hard to know when the top for things are anymore. Because like, oh, yeah. Invincible, you know, when when we found out that Invincible was going to be made, that was like a year or something ago. We could have gone and bought all of the first appearances we wanted to for like a really reasonable price. But now, shh, forget that mess. Yeah, but trying to figure out what's happening with the collectibles market right now is, uh, Brainy, uh, is is just a, it's a loser's loser's errand. You know, trying to figure that out right now, it just it doesn't work. I I collect things that nobody else wants uh, anymore, which is kind of my favorite thing. I just bought a Mountain one? of Time magazines for Miss Jen. I do see that. That That's is cool. That got me to say, all right, you know what? I'll take them. It's a Batman. Now, figure. can you animate that and put it in your mix? Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Have him dance. Uh, I would like to see him. Batman twerk, please. 
you figure out how, I, I guess I could animate it. It'll take me a few years to freaking get every single. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, that was an NFT that got me to I'm like, you know what? Sure, why not? I'll take them. So I got that. And I got, and I'm like, okay, Jaylee's one of my favorite artists. So I have to get he's that loading. one. He's loading. He's loading. He's loaded. So that's a Jaylee figure. Oh. Anyway. You can now buy WWE NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> as if you need to give the McMahons more money. <laughs> yeah. Although I am curious how much the, uh, Undertaker throwing mankind off of Hell in the Cell goes for. <laughs> that would be the a one where... A trillion dollars. Like, they haven't invented an amount of money enough yeah. for that. I mean, I think that's probably, like, the moment, right? I mean, I would think so. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When you buy NFT, are you, you only own that data file, right? You, you can't use it? To monetize for any reason other than just transferring the file again correct well i mean it depends if somebody actually makes a market for it um I mean, that, that's basically what bitcoin is it's just a, a data file mm-hmm. you, you, but in bitcoin's case you can actually own parts of it and i guess in an nft you can do the same thing it's just an image in this case it's just an image associated with that one chain one that block of that chain so basically you own it. I mean, technically, I guess you can change the image as well if you really want to. I think hmm, I have to find out about that. I still have no idea what they are. I know non fungible tokens, and that's it. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just crazy, and and everything is like, you know, this is worth that, and this is worth that, and this is worth that, but nothing is anything till the cash is either. In your hand, or you paid your mortgage off with it, right? So, <laughs> I mean, and that, and that's where it's hard on all this stuff because you don't know what the ceiling or the floor is going to be with any of it. And then everyone's just like, "What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next?" <laughs> well, I mean, the demand is just insane. Think of it this way: When was the last time you actually used cash over a credit card? Well, uh, I'm ask because probably I don't know five years ago. See, I don't, I don't even see my paycheck anymore. It goes straight from one computer to another computer, and then from there it goes to... I, 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 I refuse to use ca- or credit card to buy French fries, so I keep cash on hand. <laughs> yeah, I just use the That's app. I, I, use, I use the well, fast food apps. I, <laughs> but if I don't have... So that's how I keep myself from always eating French fries and fast food and junk, <laughs> is if I don't have the cash on hand, I can't go to the fast food restaurant. Yeah. It's 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 the thing that's keeping me from being 2,000 pounds. Like, you know, is it's it's this is the line I draw in the sand. You know. <laughs> it's... But that's all I use cash for is, you know, eating food. But you're right. I mean, the thing about NFTs and Bitcoin and all of these cryptocurrencies is that nobody knows enough about them yet to really to really be able to say, oh, this investment is smart, strong or this investment is smart. It's just ride the wave. I think you it's know? more of uh, we haven't figured out how to use it yet. We haven't figured out how to make a proper purchase because it's, it's not widely available for everybody. 
mm-hmm. only the tech geeks that know how to use it are the ones using it. Uh, the general yeah. public just does not know how to spend it yet. So once once they figure out how to spend it, uh, you know, PayPal's allowing you to buy and sell Bitcoin, and you know, pretty soon it's going to become, hey, yeah, and so look at it from the perspective from PayPal. It doesn't care whether it's cash or Bitcoin. It's still the same transaction for them. It's just numbers passing from one side to the other. That's it. Um, mm-hmm. And from looking at it from that angle, it is just currency. I mean, at least mm-hmm. Bitcoin is just currency. It's just the way we utilize it. And I don't think we've determined that yet. I think right. that using Bitcoin on PayPal negates the reason why you have Bitcoin, though. Because now you have to pay a percentage of your Bitcoin, which is what we're trying to prevent by having the Bitcoin. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> um, remember, the dollar used to be backed by gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no way we've got the amount of gold required to you know, back up the trillions of dollars. Of, it's all just generated numbers. You know, it's, okay, so. do, you, do you want history lessons with Kyle, or should we move on to funnier news? Let's go to funnier news. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can just tell you that uh, the gold standard went away in the 1950s. The silver standard yeah. went away in the 1970s. And now it's the rare metal standard, which also includes every piece that's in your cell phone. Yes. All right. Um, uh, funny story. Ron Funches <laughs> is trying to get the voiceover changed for the Suicide Squad movie. Because Stallone is hanging out at Mar-a-Lago. And the hashtag replaced alone with Funches is trending. Uh, Ron Funches is the voice of King Shark in the Harley Quinn animated series. And he's awesome. Uh, and uh, someone put, um, I support this not just for Suicide Squad, but for all of his movies retroactively. So now I'm hearing Ron Funches' voice say, Adrian, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's um, that's funny news because imagine imagine Sylvester Stallone, you know, go on. Uh, yo, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna kill these guys, Dolph Lundgren. And now it's hey Dolph Lundgren, you wanna smoke some weed? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a funny you know, political stuff aside, the idea of changing the, the voice of King Shark is always hysterical. But after, if anyone saw that cartoon, why would you ever want to use another voice for King Shark? That's what I don't get. Right. You should have an A reel and a B reel. And when you go watch Suicide Squad in the movie theaters, you don't know which one you're going to get. So then you're going to have to watch it multiple times. <laughs> the DVD comes out, and, or the, the, it comes out on streaming, and you've got different, you know, French, English, Funches. <laughs> <laughs> Or just put in your earbuds and select, you know, option one or option two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, just I'm all about it. Crack at that point. I'd be fine with that. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. Look at this horn in. <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, and whenever the uh, Suicide Squad video game footage came out, which looks potentially awesome, he wasn't voicing that King Shark either. And I'm like, why? I don't understand. Like, if anyone's seen the Harley Quinn car- cartoon, it's awesome. So, I want everything else 
to be like that. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with Ron Funches being in whatever. <laughs> so. Did you guys uh, did you guys see that the Nevers uh, beat Game of Thrones uh, for an HBO original series debut? Wow, more yep. people watched it than watched Game of Thrones. Now is that Game of Thrones like a uh, series finale or the no <laughs> the debut premiere debut? I mean, it's I it's it sounds way better than it probably actually is. Yeah, but I just love how HBO's like, hey, this thing's great. You should watch it. Better than Game of Thrones first episode. I'm like, yeah. have you ever watched a pilot in your life? Yeah. But the, yep. the Game of Thrones pilot does hold up, though. I will say that. It doesn't hurt the fact that they released it during uh, the middle of a pandemic where everybody's just clamoring to find something to watch. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I just the think only other... is at an all-time high. So, <laughs> right. And then uh, the, 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 the actual funny story I wanted to move to is... Uh, Y'all, LeVar Burton is working really hard to be the host of Jeopardy. Yeah. Like, he is politicking super hard. I'm down for and it. And I want it more than I've ever wanted anything in my life. Yes. My, my vote is yes for sure on that. Yeah. I've actually enjoyed all of the hosts that they've had. Maybe this quarterback guy who's on right now, he's a little dry. I was going to ask you, but does that include Aaron Rodgers? I wasn't going to bring it up, but now I just did. So, Well, did you see that Dr. Oz's episode's got the lowest ratings since uh, you know, Trebek passed away? Aww. Dr. Oz. But what everybody is, what... else has kind of rebounded. What does Dr. Oz have to do with uh, Jeopardy? He was a guest host. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I... by the way future hosts that are coming that one of them has a lot of potential for me i don't think it'll ever be lavar burton potential but anderson cooper could do a hell of a job as the jeopardy oh. host oh yeah absolutely also mayam bialik <gasps> yeah she would be good um <laughs> but ken jennings is already on three other game shows so he's out um Plus, he's busy losing to me online at trivia all the time. Um, he's not good at online trivia. Um, Katie Couric, he doesn't know music. Katie Couric and Aaron Rodgers, A.A. Ron Rodgers, who uh, he went to an Ivy League school, but that doesn't mean he should host Jeopardy. I have strong feelings about Jeopardy hosting duties. Yeah, the, I mean, Lamar, Burton, I Anderson it, he, he did he did raise the bar really high. Uh, mm -hmm. So, There's a video going around. This is my favorite thing uh, about Alex Trebek ever. There's a video going around where a woman is on a tour of the Jeopardy studios, and she gets to meet Alex Trebek, and she goes, Sir, would you mind if I ask a question about you when you were a young student in Toronto? And he goes, Sure. She goes, Did you actually live in the basement of this family? And she gives the family name, and he goes, Not only did I live in the basement, but I dated the daughter so-and-so. And she goes, that's my aunt. We all thought my dad was full of crap when he said you lived in his basement when he was a kid. <laughs> and now you're telling me you could have been my uncle? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I could. <laughs> I'm going, best video ever. It's weird, but I think oh. my favorite of the, the guest hosts so far has still been that executive producer. 
I thought it was awesome. The I forgot about Jeopardy. Yeah. He did the first couple of weeks right after Alex passed. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, as an executive producer of things, mm-hmm. the amount of time you have to do other things is very small. Yeah, I understand this. You could maybe work on Jeopardy because they have such a phenomenal writing staff. But I've also gone through the Jeopardy casting process and they need their executive producers casting. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I passed the test twice. Um, but I don't pass the camera test most times. I haven't, I've never passed the camera test. So you do a general knowledge test, then you do a with buzzers test. And then you get to a camera test where you've got to play with cameras on you. And that's where I always get nervous and foul up. Can't believe it. You're such a natural all the time when I see you. Well, but you got to look into the camera, listen to the question and press the button. And my brain can only do two things at once. Yeah, I'm I'm all for LeVar Burton getting this, so we'll see what happens. So we've been at this 52 minutes, Mark. Should we bore everyone with wrestling now? Yeah, uh, I'm going to give any... Does anyone have any uh, words to get in about comics this week? Rainy or Miss Jen, speak now or forever hold your comics. Um... I, the one I'm interested in, I uh, actually interviewed the writer creator today, is Duplicant. Okay. Basically about a fellow who creates a way to make uh, new uh, replacement body parts uh, when there's a pandemic which destroys, you know, important bodily organs. And he makes them like like 3D printing them. And then uh, it gets away from them. And uh, becomes kind of like a thing they hold over people. Like people are so far in debt to pay for their organs that they basically come in indentured servants. And he kind of like uh, through his interaction with the main character kind of realizes what the problem is. So that's it just it's so funny because it, it started as it was written as a pilot. And then became a comic. Uh, I had I had one this week uh, for me uh, that was interesting called uh, where is it at? Uh, you promised me darkness, uh, but now I'm not seeing it. Maybe that's nope. Uh, I'm not seeing it for whatever reason. But uh, it's about the people. Oh, there it is. You promised me darkness from Behemoth. Uh, it's about the people who believe that Haley's comet is going to bring about the end of the world. Um, but it's also about people who are born in the shadow of Haley's comic with special abilities. Mm-hmm. That's portentous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anything else? And does anyone want to uh, tag out of this episode before we start WrestleMania talk? <laughs> you know, I usually tag out at 7.30, but my uh, next meeting, they actually postponed until 8. So now I'm curious to see what you guys have to say about Wrestlemania. Okay. <laughs> Did you happen to watch it, Brainy, or are you just, like, down? Dude, uh, the last Wrestlemania I watched was probably, like, 7 or 8. What are they on, like, 10 million? Uh, 37. 
Yeah, so I have not watched WrestleMania in probably over 30, over 25 at least. I may have watched 11, I don't know. But it's been years, it's been many years, so. Mission, WrestleManias have you seen? Oh my gosh, I think my last, like, real serious wrestling I watched when I was in high school. So 1988. So WrestleMania 3? I guess so. <laughs> Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Yeah. Around the world, yeah. This is my From dude. the Pontiac Silverdome right up the street. <laughs> uh, so, Kyle, I'll let you take the lead on this, but I will say that right off the bat, I had I was very frustrated with the, with the whole it being exclusively on Peacock because I thought the WWE app had done a good job of allowing you to watch the pay-per-views fairly seamlessly um, from the point you wanted to. And yeah. I don't know if it was like the me being hindered by my Xfinity Comcast cable box or or just, you know, a glitch in the matrix or whatever, but I was basically restricted to watching it live. So Yep. Uh, Peacock's and, live yeah. Peacock's live software does not allow for scrubbing at the moment. It was addressed after night one by Peacock and WWE as oh. something they hadn't planned for. Oh. Uh, and <laughs> it was just something that needed to be turned on, apparently. Um, yeah. Well, it was something that WWE, I think WWE assumed it was going to happen. And Peacock assumed if you're watching it, you want to watch it live, you don't want to go back. You know, and, and so they just, it's like probably a button or something that needs checked. But yeah. Um, I started watching at the beginning of the pre-show and I ended when it went off the air. So with the exception of night two, I ended a little early on night two, but we can talk about that. Well, uh, I was going to say like, I would assume night two would have been worth anything and it wasn't. So you shouldn't make assumptions with WrestleMania. (laughs) Nope. Night two was a dumpster fire at twice the price. Um, I at one point texted a friend of mine and said, this is a dumpster fire and not even a good dumpster fire. One where the dumpster is full of rotting diapers and uh, corpses. So. Heck <laughs> um, Tell us how you feel, you know, Kyle. If you want to break it down match by match, it started off bad, got worse, got better for a minute, and then ended worse, and then ended worse, and then got worse. The whole night. Um, and, and it was almost as if, you know, and I, I told you about, you know, m- my experience with trying to catch up in the last year and the pandemic, just it being something to escape into. But now I try to tune into Raw and SmackDown um, on Mondays and Fridays, respectively. Keep up with the storylines. It seemed on night two, they just threw all storylines out the window. Like certain characters that have been around didn't show up and it was just all kinds of weirdness. Well, so night two did have a lot of the finalization of story arcs, but not really the finalization of story arcs. So the first match out of the gate is the fiend Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton, which you oh. think this is going to be the end. You think the fiend's going to come out and squash Bray, Randy Orton and it's going to be the end of this thing. You know, the fiend rises from the ashes, a la The Undertaker, and just does his thing. But then they do this thing, which, by the way, 
Alexa Bliss with the weird stuff running down her face is as hot as Alexa Bliss has ever looked. Just throwing that out there. Uh, you know, 90s scene girl Alexa Bliss is apparently my style. <laughs> but I thought that match should have ended the other way, and it would have been a pretty good match. Uh, it didn't go long enough, I don't think, and it should have gone the other direction, and it would have been a decent match. As it was, I thought I think it was odd and boring. I uh, I kept thinking this entire time, being the last two or three months, that Randy Orton was going to become the Fiend, or Fiend-like, and then the stable of him, Bray Wyatt, and Alexa Bliss would have been awesome going forward. I could have gotten behind that. That would have um, been a great a great mixed tag. You know, it, someone, someone had mentioned online, either do something like that or just get rid of... Randy Orton and drop him in the giant jack-in-the-box and then have flames shoot out and be done with all this. But they never are done with anything just in the same way the whole graveyard match from last year with AJ Styles were like, he's buried, and then now he's back, and he's got some guy with him, and then he wins tag team titles he doesn't deserve and blah, 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 but that was night we'll one. Get to, we'll get to night one. Yeah, so. Well, um, the other match is uh, Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler. I said some terrible things about Nia Jax, but she's a terrible wrestler, so we'll move on. Well, Tamina Snuka should have won. And the one complaint I had, well, the, the one thing I'll say about that is that they built up this whole Reggie thing for weeks, if not months, and then he was a no-show at WrestleMania, so right. I don't understand what happened there. Right. Um, Sammy Owens, or Kevin Kevin Owens versus Kua Zayn, uh, which is actually my favorite match. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sammy Zayn is doing a whole QAnon angle where he thinks everything's a big conspiracy against him. Um, and the reason it was my favorite match is because at the end, Logan Paul took a stunner and made me very happy. Uh, I was disappointed in that one because I had been hearing since WrestleMania 36 that Owens was planning a spot off the pirate ship and no one touched that pirate ship. Oh, because the pirate ship was CGI. But but I'm talking about the one that's actually in you know yeah know. that's affixed to the Buccaneers. I think the I, weather had something to do with some of that. Uh, probably it just seemed like I know that last year was shifted around the pandemic, but like the Funhouse match from last year for me, I'm not talking about for you know someone who's been into wrestling for 30 years and is like a traditionalist by any means, but like that Funhouse match with the Fiend versus John Cena was incredible. Right. So, you know, I, I was hoping for like yeah. something inventive like that, but there was like nothing. It was all in ring. They didn't even have like any backstage brawls or anything <laughs> in this whole wrestling. Like I, I think I think part of it is the weather. And I think part of it is this is the first time they were back in front of fans. And on night one, when you saw that, you saw some people come out a little over amped. And when you try and do backstage gimmicks, you try and do weird spots like that and you're too heavy, too high, that's when people get hurt. Like, I don't know if you remember um, back when uh, Big Cass and the little Italian guy. Um, oh, Enzo and Big Cass uh, were a, a gimmick. Their first WrestleMania, they came out, and Enzo basically uh, strangled himself on the ring ropes, trying oh. to run around the ring like a crazy person, and he slipped and fell and, like, Got his neck caught around the ring ropes and then couldn't do promos because he had hurt himself. Yeah. <laughs> that 
that's the kind of stuff that happens. So if you cut a lot of that out and it was raining all weekend, if you're going to do an event in an outdoor stadium in Florida, maybe don't because rain. <laughs> yeah. Um, just as a thought. But uh, so Riddle versus Sheamus, uh, I'm glad the way that one came out uh, because the second I saw Riddle, I wanted someone to hurt him a la Goldberg, like really hurt him like as a shoot. No, like, which I guess is what makes him a good heel. Wait, Riddle's, a, I thought Riddle's a face. I think in that match, he's a heel because Sheamus has been so over for so long. Right. I think in other matches, he's a face, but in that match, he's a heel compared to Sheamus. And then uh, the Nigerian drum fight, Big E versus Apollo Crews. Uh, no. No, and they also made a major mess up. I don't know if it, I don't know who's responsible for this. I, you know, I would assume that the announcers are briefed on what's going to happen or whatever, but the Michael Cole was acting like he'd never seen this person before in their life, but that guy was drafted, wasn't he drafted to SmackDown like a year ago or something? Like yeah, but he's been, he's not been, he's not been used for anything ever. Okay. Um, and Michael Cole is not known for being a good announcer. Um, but the thing about this match is I thought it was great. It was brutal. It was angry. And then all of a sudden, hey, here's a giant to squash somebody. Really? He couldn't give us an honest end of the match. Yeah. You know. Um, the Raw Women's Championship, Asuka versus Ray Ripley. Or Rhea Ripley, I am glad of the way that went. Uh, Rhea Ripley, I think, has a bigger upside at the moment than Asuka does. Yeah. I think Asuka needs to get back to the crazy person Asuka gimmick that is what made her famous all around the world. Um, but I also think I'm in love with Rhea Ripley. Um, again, something about punk rock scene girls. Um, and then the Universal Championship match, which was the last match of night two, Roman Reigns versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan. Roman Reigns was a champion. He walked away the champion after a really non-finish, a really disappointing finish. Uh, it was a great match until the end. How, how long has this head-of-the-table storyline been going on? Uh, since he came back from his bout with cancer, which, like, okay, this is going to sound like me saying I don't want a guy who just beat cancer to be a WWE title holder. I'm not saying that. I'm tired of WWE trying to make Roman Reigns look strong. Like, it would have been a much better feud for Edge to pin Daniel Bryan, get the strap, and now Edge, who has this 30-year history with the company, and he's got his own great comeback story from a broken neck and Canadian soap operas to um, being back in the WWE, and now he's in a feud with a legacy like the guy's the rocks cousin and his great grandfather was, you know, um, you know, the, the same, he's got the same lineage as the rock, you know, and he's got his cousins in the Usos and Nia Jax is his real life cousin and all this kind of stuff. Like he can have this big kind of story against edge who can put anybody over at any time. And instead they're just like, he gets to keep the belt. Let's make him look strong. Um, I, I just, I keep expecting at some point for Jay, Jay Uso to do a hill turn, which turn. would be a face turn because Roman Reigns is a heel, but it's just not like, they're not moving the needle at all. Like this is just still like nothing happened to move 
that storyline. It's just like they, they built it up with Edge constantly telling Uso, like, you can do better, you can be better, that guy's like shouldn't control you, you know. And I I would have thought uh, a good way to would in in that match would be that Jay Uso comes out to help like he did, but then maybe he pins Roman Reigns and walks away with the belt because there's no rules, so who cares? Yeah. No, that's then fair. you have like this epic, like, what the heck happened? What on earth is going on? My brain just exploded. If I was ever actually buying this storyline at all, and then you could see like Paul Heyman's reaction, and and then you could like really set up some actual like storylines moving forward in SmackDown. But now it's just like, is it just going to be like um, Daniel Bryan and Edge complaining for another four months? Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, they're not move like. Is anyone actually retiring, or are we just going to keep doing this all the way through SummerSlam and all that? <laughs> right. I will say this. The only thing that was great about that match was Paul Heyman's face acting, which yeah. needs to get inducted into the Hall of Fame on its own. Yeah. That man could tell a story with just his eyebrows like no one I've ever seen. And It's weird to me that he doesn't interfere. I don't, I've never seen a member of a stable just never interfere but you know um, if you're comparing him to someone to. like Jimmy Hart or something that you know it's a non-starter right but I, he just no, stands he there okay. he used to until CM Punk legit kicked him in the throat oh and then yeah. CM Punk quit and started writing Thor comics right so uh, yeah and he's still wrestling dark matches but nobody's supposed to know that Um, but okay. no like 15 or like 10 years ago like he interfered in a ECW match with CM Punk and CM Punk was supposed to win, like it was written that he would win, and it caused him to lose, and CM Punk legit kicked the dude in the throat. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, message is, uh, go with the script, dummy. Uh, but night one, I think, was the better night. Uh, first match was Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. The right guy won. Uh, Bobby Lashley needs to get off the steroids. Um, so... Uh, you know, but I think this sets up a long, good long run between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, because uh, those are two guys who can really work well together. Um, Bobby Lashley getting to keep the strap is all right in that, in that because now at SummerSlam you pay it off, you give right. him two months to feud, um, and then Bobby Lashley can go away and go off the steroids for a few months and let his head get back to normal size, um, and the weird veins that happen and. Ugh. But um, I do like that Bobby Lashley is basically working Chris Masters' gimmick from 2006. Yeah. Uh, you know, put a guy in a full Nelson until they pass out. Uh, the women's tag team championship number one contenders match, I didn't watch uh, as much as I should have because apparently it was like amateur porn. Uh, it rained on, it rained Saturday night. And so everyone was soaked because Vince McMahon made them all come out in their ring attire and waved to the crowd in the rain. And as a result, several of the women in the women's match had wardrobe malfunctions. And uh, WWE kept having to black out the screen. Um, because they don't have any blurring. They just go black. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was... It was an awkward match uh, from everything I've read. And it didn't go well. Uh, but... Natalia and Tamina Snuka won, and then they got squashed by Nia Jax, both literally and figuratively. Um, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins 
was phenomenal. Um, and, and the only thing I'm going to say about this match was uh, Cesaro's finishing move is the windmill, right? But he calls it, it's you know they call it the UFO when he goes a long time. He spun, he hung, he held Rollins by his ankles and spun him 23 times in complete circles without stopping. Yeah, and 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 not only that, but um, he spun him twice that match, right? Once was yep. maybe like eleven times, and you could see mm-hmm. like it might have been like a, a you know a false hit or whatever. But but then he also did a move where he put him on his shoulders and like without hands would like kind of like clap his hands and just show off his strength. But I was on all three of those spinning moves. It's like I don't know how you don't get dizzy. So just that being able to be completely cognizant of where you are in the ring not get dizzy and then still make the tag and finish the match and all that really right. impressive stuff. And and it's I know a, that, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's a dancer's technique. I think is he's spotting his, he's getting his spots and he's staring at two or three spots to do it. And it's, it's incredible. But uh, my favorite story is, is that when Cesaro first signed with WWE, um, one of the bookers showed another booker video of him doing that move in the Indies. Oh, and okay. the second booker who had been at WWE for eons went up and goes, why don't you do that all the time? And Cesaro goes, I'm saving it to win a match at Re- WrestleMania one day. And then he did it and won a match at WrestleMania after losing at eight WrestleManias. So, right. Um, great match. Uh, the New Day versus AJ Styles and Omos. Um, Kofi Kingston's hair looked like curly fries. Mm-hmm. Which made me hungry. Also, this match should have ended way better, and it kind of sucked. But um, overall, as a tag team goes, where one of the guys is going to come in and literally squash the other guys, what are you going to do? Yeah. Up until uh, that well, point. Yeah, and they, I guess they, I've learned that they call that a hot tag match, right? Mm-hmm. Where you basically have one guy kind of waiting around the entire time, clapping his hands, letting the other guy get the crap kicked out of him, and then at some point just come in and obliterate people, which is what I thought was going to happen in the Bad Bunny match. So I don't know if I'm going in order, but if you want to talk about that one for a second. Bad Bunny is next. Bad yes, Bunny right. is the great... Well, no, Bad Bunny is not next. It's There's two matches. Uh, there's one oh, match between ahead. All right. Uh, the match in between them is uh, Shane McMahon, Versus Braun Strowman, or Braun Strowman, depending on how you see it. Um, but Braun Strowman, uh, for those of you who don't know, before he was a professional wrestler, was a powerlifter. And when I knew him as a powerlifter, I watched him literally whip rip a tree out of the ground. No, it wasn't like a giant oak tree. It was a sapling kind of tree, but he still, like, it had roots and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he just ripped it out of the ground. The man is that strong. Um, in a steel cage match, which was awesome. Um, the, the, the fact that he got attacked before the match was, uh, predictable. The fact that it didn't affect him. And at one point he literally ripped a steel cage apart with his bare hands is what happens when you make a cage out of tinfoil. However, uh, some of the high flying spots and throwing literally throwing around of a man in his mid sixties and Shane McMahon was incredibly entertaining. And the fact that no one died is always a good thing. Have you ever seen that bit where someone rips through the steel cage? Because I had not, so I found that entertaining. Only when Mankind put Undertaker through it, or Undertaker put Mankind through it. 
Like, but not it like felt, they fell from the top. Like ripping to get the person back in. I've, I've never seen that. No, <laughs> I've awesome. never seen that gimmick, which was great. Uh, I like Braun Strowman. There's a rumor going around that this was the McMahon's way of saying, hey, here's this guy we want to grab the brass ring. So we're going we're gonna to have Shane put him over at WrestleMania, make him look really strong. And as someone who knew him a little before he was a pro wrestler, I would like to see that happen. Yeah. Then you get Bad Bunny versus The Miz and John Morrison. Um, look, most of the time when a celebrity comes out, especially someone like Bad Bunny, they don't do a whole lot of wrestling. They do a lot of talking, and then a giant or a real prof- professional wrestler does the wrestling. That is not true of Bad Bunny. Uh, Bad Bunny, a man who has a very bright musical career in front of him, apparently also has a death wish mm. and uh, chose to actually do most of the wrestling against two of the greatest to ever wrestle as a tag team in Miz and Morrison. Um, those of you may know the Miz as Mike Mizano from the Real World and Real World World Rules Challenge and as that guy in all of those terrible WWE-produced movies. The Marine Morrison, Part 7 yeah. or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, the Marine Parts 13 through 34. Um, hey. And then uh, Morrison had a great career outside of WWE in the Indies and in Lucha, but he's back at WWE. Um, but they are they could carry anybody, and they certainly carried Bad Bunny and made him look really good. Uh, I wasn't as impressed with um, Damian Priest. I thought he was stiff. I thought he was mechanical. I don't know if he was trying to do a strong style thing, but he kind of did. But the fact that Bad Bunny got a legit pin makes me happy that it wasn't some sort of no, you know, no, no call or disqualified match or whatever. Like it's a real pin. He actually did the work. He did some really good high flying spots. Made me very happy. And and that I, I know it was it's probably just like a tumbling exercise at the end of the day, but the uh the move he did on Morrison outside the ring where it was like a rolling DDT, I, I thought that mm-hmm. sold really well. <laughs> like Yeah, was, like I said, uh, I mean John Morrison could make a stick figure look like a great wrestler. Yeah. In fact, I've seen him do it. Um not with stick figures, but uh, when he was at when he was in, in Lucha, there was a woman wrestler who was notorious for hurting people. In fact, she's now blackballed from the industry. Uh, and Morrison did a match with her, and basically the premise was is that uh, someone had drugged her, and she was like out, like she was incapacitated, and so she wrestled the whole match as dead weight. Huh. And Morrison made it look like a great match. Like, so, you know, I, I'm not saying that Bad Bunny is a bad wrestler. I'm saying he's not a wrestler at all, but he did a heck of a job. No, and he was apparently very dedicated to, like, moving over there for three or four weeks and training every day. And and it yep. paid off. And also, he had by far the best ring entrance <laughs> as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah coming awesome. in on a semi-truck, everybody else had to walk. He got yeah. to ride in on a semi-truck. You yeah. know, that's the thing I missed from this WrestleMania. What happened to the days when Stone or when Triple H would come out and there'd be a legion of skeletons and you'd have to get burnt by dry ice and you yeah. know. Gone are the days. Now it's just 
hey, here's a celebrity to sing this song you've never heard of, but it's this person's entry music. Oh, uh, yeah. That was night two. <laughs> Twice night two. Yeah, uh, like... But then the last match, uh, the last match of the night was, in my humble opinion, maybe the second best women's match I've ever seen in my life. First being what? Sasha versus Bailey at NXT Brooklyn. Okay, I'll check that out. It was the the uh, two woman Iron Man match. They wrestled for an hour and a half, uh, no holds barred, uh, all over the Barclays Center, and it's the single greatest piece of women's wrestling to ever be done. Wow. Okay. Um, like, and that's like not just an opinion. That's like certifiable. Yeah. Um, but this was a great match. Uh, I was really happy that Bianca Belair won. Um. I was completely terrified by the fact that at one point she whipped Sasha with her hair and actually drew blood. So I was wondering about that. Do you <laughs> think that that was some sort of like that was a work. that was for real makeup going on or was that real? No, that like, was that was that was legit. But the, but the uh, sound effect was not real, correct? Because it sounded like an Indiana I Jones. Can't yeah. t- I couldn't tell like watching it on my small screen here at work. But um, the blood was real. I mean, it uh, was crazy. Just like the blood at the end of the Sheamus, what's his nuts match. Um, yeah, and for those of you who don't know, Bianca Belair is currently sporting like what a four or five foot ponytail. So it's like a stylistic choice that's obviously used in the wrestling ring against her more times than is not. Um, and. Her hair was like tied to the ropes and all kinds of stuff. So I thought the payoff of that was pretty great, though, because I've been watching her last few matches before this, and she hadn't been able to use her hair on the offensive yet. And that was a huge payoff, I think. <laughs> so. Right. I, the only thing about that match I didn't like was that it felt like a spelling test. It's the B O S S versus the B E S T. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we know how to spell boss and best. Also, there are other letters than B in the. The alphabet? Right. Maybe try one. And I'm really glad they didn't have anyone come and interfere because it's unfortunate. But, like, all you hear her going into that match was like, oh, but Becky Lynch posted a picture, so she must be going to be there. Or, uh, you know, oh, Ronda Rousey. Her husband like, was I'm, I'm glad they stayed away from the gimmicks of, of that match. Right. I mean, her husband got spun around, like, 40 times. You know, yeah. or her baby daddy, whatever he is. But, right. you know. So, I, I think it was good. Uh, I think overall, night one was better than night two. <laughs> night one was the redeemer of night two, um, which gives the whole thing like a B minus C for me. Because they should have flipped it, right? I mean, the booking, shouldn't they have just made the better night, night two? <laughs> um, I think they should have just made night two good. Um, yeah. WWE has this tendency to do too much. When Raw went to three hours, it got worse. They try to do too much, and it can't all be good. So now on Raw, you get hour-long Stephanie McMahon promos because they have to fill time. Yeah, Um, it's a long... Do less... About that today. Yeah. They should do less and benefit more. Um, And I know that's a Triple H thing, uh, that he says they should do that, but, you know, Vince isn't letting them. We'll see what happens when Vince apparently when Vince uh, keels over because he's starting to look vaguely like the Crypt Keeper. Oh, 
We'll see what happens with that. So what's the next big pay-per-view? Is it SummerSlam? Fastlane. Wait, but Fastlane happened already. Not Fastlane. Uh, 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 it's 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 whatever the thing is after WrestleMania, which is like vengeance or something. Oh, okay, but before SummerSlam, okay. Yeah. So, like you said, they can you know. I won't watch again until next year. Yeah. Well, I'll just read. I'll just read the. I'll just read the the dirt sheets, like I did yeah. for the last year. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna keep up with it off and on. It's fun, but like I could. If they were done with with half of the storylines we talked about, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need them mm-hmm. going forward. But uh, well, Rainy yeah. and Jen, I uh, I really appreciate you guys sitting there and listening to that. Uh, <laughs> based on the looks on either uh, on your faces, neither of you had any knowledge of what we were talking about, or <laughs> barely any interest. Uh, well, I had interest, but uh, one thing I'll say is I, I was shocked to hear that now it's two days. It used to be what three hours of WrestleMania. Um. <laughs> it went to two days last year because so much of it was like pre-tape. So there was like one day that had a bunch of pre-tape and then one day that was like legit live. And then this this year, because it was the first event back in front of fans, I think they needed to milk the golden calf a little bit um, of people and do two days at Raymond James Stadium uh, with a bunch of terrible CGI pirate crap. At one point, Randy Orton, who is the Viper, is coming out. And what is on your screen? But a massive CGI Viper. And not like a good one. Like one that I could do up here on my screen in about 10 minutes. Like, like basically like Castle Wolfenstein 3D type of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end of the first night, there was like a giant skeleton with a sword. And you're like, no. Just stop. There's a reason that CNN did away with the freaking virtual map that was 3D for elections. You should do away with your terrible CGI department, too. Maybe use to pay better talent. Right. Well, uh, yeah, again, Brainy and Miss Jen, thank you for listening to that. Um, if anything, you can take away the fact that uh, I really like Sasha Banks and The Mandalorian. So, you know. <laughs> she was great in The Mandalorian. Yeah, I... <laughs> she's, a, she's a really good wrestler. Uh, she's not good as Snoop Dogg's sidekick. I will say that, but she's a really great wrestler. Uh, if you don't know, Snoop Dogg is her real life cousin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, uh, Kyle, thanks for doing that rundown. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, we watched it. It's done, and then it'll happen again next year, and we'll see if they can tighten it up and have. You know, two good nights. <laughs> but I, I agree. Day one, I thought it was really good. Uh, main event, phenomenal. Um, some really fun matches before that. And day two was just like, eh. Now, the triple threat could have saved it had it been like a crazy ending or storyline like I mentioned. But it wasn't anything near that. It was very cookie cutter. So, therefore, if I was grading it, I would casually, I would say like, Day two gets a C minus, and day one gets an A. So I don't know. <laughs> that's just me casually, as a casual fan. That's what I would say. So day one is superior to day two, and then I'm I'm that's it. That's my TED talk on WrestleMania. <laughs> Thank you for coming to Mark and I's uh, TED talk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, TED talk or uh, but, uh, aimless rant like a. 
like a weird person on the internet about wrestling. Yeah. Um, but again, thank you, Brainy Mission, for sitting through that. Uh, thank you, Kyle, for doing the rundown. And thank you for listening and or watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online, sponsored by the Adventure Begins Comics and Games and Space Cadets Collection Collection. Check out their other shows on Woodlands Online, like Music Cafe, The Adventure Begins Show, Woodlands House and Home, The Best You, Between the Trees, Business Talk, and much more. You can watch all these on Woodlands Online and on our partner station, KBQTHD21, over there on your television. All these shows and more on Roku right now. Search and add Woodlands Online TV to your streaming lineup. And you can listen to the audio version of our podcast, Nerd News Now, on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next time on Nerd News Now.